bass drops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks who speak. Excited about having your voice heard this November at the polls. Be a voter. Join us. Be a voter. Let us help you out with some gaming goodness to motivate you. We got 90 minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Robinhood, Linode, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who has to settle for only one of his two favorite teams going to the World Series this year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Oh, here from beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, home to the back-to-back National League champion, L.A. Dodgers. But man, those Red Sox look so dangerous. I am uh, I am nervous. Yeah, they, they took down your Strohs, bro. They dismantled them. They yes. played a heck of a series. Are you excited? Are you excited for the World Series? Yeah, last year, you got so excited that you sprang for uh, exorbitant tickets. Are you going to do the same this year? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess we'll have to stay tuned on that one. Uh, very exciting. Um, we have a big show for you this week. We got lots of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, Soul Caliber. We got news. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. This is somebody I've tried to get on the show for a while now. I'm so excited he's finally here. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dropped Live Conversations because we have the host of Dropped Frames, the live stream talk show, as well as the creator of Roleplay, JP McDaniel. It me, JP. Hey, JP. Hi, how's it going? You guys are really bringing the energy tonight. I, I feel like I have to work to get this amount of energy on a Sunday evening and you're just there. You're already there at peak, I feel. It's a cupcake and a scoop of ice cream. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. Yeah. yeah. We, we give us like 15 minutes and we crash real hard. It's uh, a <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Yeah. Happy to be here, man. Awesome. Uh well, let's get right into it. Let's uh, start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks hanging out over there. Um, JP, it is you are our guest, so it is your pick. You get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Uh, story of the week, it's got to be the uh, the Rockstar news. I think that was what everyone was talking about one way or the other uh, this yeah. past week. And I think it um, <clears throat> it caused a lot of conversations to occur that, that have been kind of there uh, in this space for a very long time. But it, it brought it to the forefront for sure this past week in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I, I listened to uh, Drop Frames. You guys talked about it uh, at length on, on your show as well. So I'm, I'm excited to, to pick your brain about it. Of course... The, the news, in if case uh, you don't know what we're talking about, it's that Rockstar, there was a sort of proud pronouncement uh, from Dan Hauser in an interview with him 
saying that uh, at crunch to, to finish up Red Dead Redemption 2 and get it ready for coming out, what, two weeks from now? Um, mm-hmm. that Depends they were working, on where you buy it. <laughs> that's a no, that's different, true. Different yeah, story. Uh, that, that people were working 100-hour weeks, and I think he said that in, in an attempt to show just how committed the company was and how hard people were working. But we talked about it on this show, uh, you know, and we have been talking a lot uh, with all of these studio closures and a lot of um, really kind of crappy reports or good reports of crappy work conditions for uh, for a lot of game developers. And I've been shouting from the rooftops about unionization uh, being needed in in the game space. And this, I think, brought that up again, and it brought up this whole idea of, you know, is this inhumane? Is this something we shouldn't support with our uh, game developers? So JP, what do you, what do you feel about this story? Are you, does it make you less inclined to, to want to support a company like Rockstar or do you, do you like the fact that your video game companies are, are putting in the extra hours? It's, it's a weird space for sure. Just to even comment on, I, I think is, you know, and what I do in terms of streaming every single day, being able to do 10 plus hour streams for every day for a month straight is, is a point of pride when it probably shouldn't be, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Yeah. Um, and to kind of look at, you know, games in that way as well. I think that, you know, something's going to break and something's going to give if it's not already breaking and not already giving to begin with right now, where you're seeing all these studio closes in the past couple of months and, I think that it's it's something's going to have to change. Um, whether it's just you know companies stop putting such a finite release date so that they have to crunch to meet that date, or you know unionization comes into play, or I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a weird thing. I, I don't know if there's a clear answer for it, and, and I think that there's a lot of uh, ways to solve it that will solve it for a time, but then it's just going to continue happening. So. It, you're going to really have to take a, a microscope and kind of figure out the what, what's causing it uh, at its core, ultimately, to really get down and, and figure out what can be solved and what can be fixed. Yeah, I love how you contextualize it with regard to your own commitments and your own uh, work ethic and your own crazy hours. I mean, frankly, you are not alone. A lot of streamers you hear about burning out pretty quickly uh, because mm-hmm. it, it is needed. It's sort of expected that you're just constantly streaming. And I think that's a really wonderful uh, window into this kind of thing because you f- f- sometimes thinking about what game developers do, it, it it can be it can seem a little alien and and you can't relate to it. But I think what you do can be related to. And I I heard you guys talking about this on on Drop Frames, and I was thinking about it a lot. And it, it seems to me I don't, I don't know exactly how old you are, but it seems to me that this kind of lifestyle is only possible for people of a certain age or below a certain age or below a certain commitment level in their life to other people and other things. Mm, right. Yeah. And, and I, I know certainly a lot of game developers fall into that category as well, right? You're able to put work first. You're passionate about your work. You're able to, you know, exclude all the other things in your life and, you know, wake up, work, go to sleep, wake up, work, go to sleep. And it, it, it can almost feel you can you can have a lot of pride in it and it cannot feel like a burden. But I think that is not at least from my perspective as somebody that's maybe a little bit past that point in my life mm-hmm. and into the family life and I'm just a little bit older. Uh, it seems like something that's not sustainable. And I wonder how you even think about that with your own career. 
Yeah. So uh, for reference, I'm 32. Uh, we just ended up getting a house uh, this past year, me and my girlfriend here in uh, in St. Louis. So uh, starting down that path for sure. And and it's definitely come up like you needed the, the conversation of you need a day off has definitely happened uh, between me and my girlfriend multiple times. Um, and I think it kind of starts. So I, I got my start in uh, in esports when I was in college uh, for a journalism degree. Um, and I started out at a website called gotfrag.com. They kind of covered a lot of the, the Counter-Strike stuff uh, back before it was really, I guess, a big, big thing, as big as it is today. Um, and, and I think back then, the way that you kind of proved yourself, the way that you, because uh, it, it was, you didn't get, no one really made money back then. Um, but the way that you got yourself on kind of the stepping stone to actually being paid was to put in the long hours and, you know, wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning local because a European tournament was starting that morning. Um, and you, we needed someone to put scores into the back end so that on the site we'd have constant live scores. That was kind of always the big thing. Um, and Gottfrag was the site for it. So I was that guy. I was the guy that was waking up at 2 a.m., uh, you know, depending on it doesn't matter what night it is, really. Uh, putting in all those scores, and I think that that and kind of just my upbringing and and whatnot with uh, with how my parents worked, it was always just put in the time, and eventually, you know, it'll work out for you. Um, and so I think it was just ingrained in me as a kid. And the unfortunate circumstance about that is it it got into the streaming world where uh, kind of like we were talking about on Drop Frames, where if you're not live, someone else is, right? So those viewers will will go somewhere else. Um, and I think it's always just kind of stuck with me in that regard. So eventually, uh, just like I think in kind of uh, the gaming space, it, it'll there will come a time in, in my life where I'll have to, you know, step back from uh, the amount of hours that I'm putting in, which uh, on a week to week, I would guess around 60 to 70 right now on average, um, probably 50 to 60 of that live, the rest of it kind of off off air management type stuff, uh, emails and contracts and all that crap. Uh, which I've, you know, I've, I've started hiring people to kind of alle- alleviate a lot of that stuff uh, because it is starting to be taxing health wise, uh, doing it for, you know, 15 years, 12 years, something like that. But uh, we'll see. I, I don't it's it's I'm going to try to grind as much as I can, because uh, who knows how long this is all going to be around. Uh, streaming is such a weird world uh, to be in right now. And there's always that thought of like, well, maybe it won't be here tomorrow. You know, right. like it, yeah. it could just go away. Um, I think about that all the time. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's it's such a new industry that you're just like, well, you know, who knows how long this is going to last. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, the, I I love the the way you put that with, um, you know, if you're not streaming, somebody else is. And I think that uh, to, to kind of throw this to you, Christian, the idea that, you know, if somebody's not working hard, if you're not working hard, somebody else is, I think for me, that's a lot of the reason that I arrive at unions, because I think that applies in this space as well. I mean, JP is talking about, you know, a very solo endeavor and he's talking about working in a market that's very competitive. But when you get into a workplace situation and, you know, Sally is willing to come in on the weekends and work until 10 o'clock at night and you want to go home to your family or you want to go home and just live and not have to work those crazy hours. But if you're not there, Sally is, and maybe she gets the promotion or maybe she is even just simply looked at as a more committed employee. It doesn't have to be something that's quote required or, or, uh, you know, that doesn't have to actually be oppressive 
workplace environment to be an oppressive workplace environment, right? That those things can grow simply because there's a potential for them. And if you don't have solid rules in place, if there's no nothing like a union there to protect your interests, I think that even in the case where the, you know, I get a lot of these devs coming out and saying, well, you know, I was happy to do it. I was getting overtime. Yeah, but the guy who who isn't or gal who isn't, you know, it's not really fair to them. At least that's how I think about this issue. What do you think? I certainly understand that. And, um, but, but I also understand the other side of it. I understand the side of it of, um, let me back up a little bit. Even in things where they are unionized, um, that I have personal experience with the Screen Actors Guild, this stuff still plays a role. Maybe not in how you are on set, because there are rules in place for that, but did you go to the mixer afterward? Did you go get drinks afterwards? How buddy-buddy are you with the first PA? How buddy-buddy are you with the DP? Do you and the director get along? When do you guys hang out socially? Do you go to brunch on weekends at the same places with all these people? Like, There's always that version of hustle, networking, marketing, being available, being the team player, like in film, sure, I can't move the lights because the person whose job it is would has to do it. But, you know, going the extra mile, picking up the slack, being there when we need you and stand up comedy. It's people hanging out at the club until 4 a.m. And then they're the at the tip there's of no your union. brain. There's no uh, union for stand up comedy. So no, that's- no, no. I, I know there's not, the the film was the union example but then when i was an attorney as well going through summer associate programs in law school it was going to the four-hour dinner but you still had to get that brief done that you needed to get i think you're conflating things that aren't really what i'm talking about and and i because there's a there's always yes there's always going to be schmoozing and hustling and all those things that everybody does in any profession but that's different than are you at your desk working right now? Are you are you coming in for overtime? Are you giving up your weekends to work? To work, not to socialize, not to maintain relationships, not to do the other things that all human beings are susceptible to for preference, you know, preferable treatment. But literally working, and I think that there's a big difference, for, you know, for that. So I don't want to I don't want to mush all of those things into one. I think they're the same. I think they're very similar. They might be cousins or something like that but it's still work going to the company holiday party is work sitting at your desk and coding is work um there's no requirement that you have to go to your holiday party there's no requirement that you have to stay and do those hundred hours but if you stop doing it they'll find someone who wants to do it because it's a very competitive industry and while you might be very talented if you're not the most talented they'll find someone who is almost as talented and willing to put in that time is it right and equitable in a perfect world no, I don't think so, but I understand it, and I've fallen um, victim to it on both sides of it too. We're working with people, and it's like, oh yeah, this person's yeah, they're great, they're a team player. Let's let's give them more things to do, and they're always around. And that that probably wasn't the right call, but they're there. You see them, you interact with them. Um, when you have to make the hard decisions about who to keep and who to get rid of, it's the people that are there that you can trust to get things done. Uh, again, I'm not but saying. I, again, I, I I really feel like that's a completely different issue, and, and I I respect the fact that you disagree. But what I'm talking about is like the Screen Actors Guild says, if you finish shooting at a certain time, you have to have X number of hours in between starting up again. You cannot, or you you know there are 
very specific rules about that that say you can't have somebody come back three hours after you stopped shooting, right? You have to have a turnaround. You have to have breaks. You have to have lunches. There are, there's a structure and those structures were negotiated with collective bargaining. And that is how the union protects its members, right? That's a very different thing than just like, hey, give us more effort. I'm talking about people that are working 100-hour work weeks that don't have any of those protections. And I think that's a very different thing than what you're talking about. Yeah, it's – yeah. I, I think it gets really interesting too when you start thinking about the idea of – you know, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. But the idea that what a AAA game is and kind of how you know generation after generation of consoles, how AAA games have just become bigger and just – become these colossal things that take more and more time. So this idea of like a hundred hour work week is because there's so much more to do. Right. So then you kind of look at everyone in the industry when it comes to the AAA publishers and you start to think, well, if, if people do unionize and there's, you know, a cap on how many hours people can work 40, 50 hours, whatever it is uh, per week, are those games actually going to get finished before another console comes out? <laughs> like, right. It, well, I, I don't know the specifics and, and I'm not a coder or anything, but I would think that a lot of the reason why that stuff, uh, you know, these, these hundred hour work weeks come up is because it takes so long to make a game these days. It, there's so many things added into it compared to, you know, five, 10 years ago. And it, even five years ago, it was probably the same thing, but it's definitely gotten bigger. So I, I don't know, like, I really wonder what it would look like if everyone was unionized and how that all, what that would look like. I, I, I really don't know. Well, I, I've gotten a lot of people on Twitter saying the same thing to me about how, you know, prepare for your games to either not come out or be wildly expensive or yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And or they say, you know, these contracts are going to be, you know, are going to choke off, uh, you know, certain certain productions. And I just have again, I'm like Christian. I have experience with the Screen Actors Guild and Actors Equity and mm-hmm. AFTRA and IOTC. Those are the unions I belong to in my life. And I know in particular Actors Equity, which is the stage actors union you can't make money putting up a play in America, really, unless you're on Broadway. And even then most of them fail and lose money. So that union, that guild understands that the, the, the contracts for putting up a play have to be really flexible. And they do that. You know, if, if you're only going to put up a a play in a place that only has 40 seats, they're not going to make you follow the same rules as a Broadway house. And I think there's a lot of ways you can structure agreements like that so that all contracts aren't the same across every kind of game. I also think that, you know, Rockstar, for example, is a company that's just printing money. And if we're going to, if, you know, if we're going to be worried about them having to hire extra people or delay the release of their game a a little while longer in order to treat people like human beings, I'm all for it. I also will pay a little extra for my games if I have to. I, I, I think just human decency trumps my you know desire for awesome oh, human decency in 2018 really <laughs> I know. Come on. An, Can you even throw an antiquated concept yeah <laughs> yeah i get you anyway i and I, I get a little preachy about this and i feel bad because i know that I, I get a lot of negative response when i do and i but i i really believe strongly in, in in the game industry unionizing and but i don't necessarily need the whole conversation to be about that like i, I liked how you guys talked on drop frames about this this notion of uh him talking about it as this like point of pride about saying hey the people here who are making this game care Mm -hmm. and i think that that's kind of what he was trying to say but in doing so sort of revealed a a real negative aspect of this industry yeah 
Yeah, it 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 it's a it's it's not something that's gonna get solved overnight. I, I don't think it's something that a simple conversation will ever uh figure out. I, I think that I don't know. I, there there's there's so many different elements to it. it. It's almost too colossal for me to kind of wrap my my brain around to begin with. Um because there's I mean I don't know too much about making TV and making films and whatnot, but in terms of games, just from the friends that I've talked to and kind of people in the space, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Just maybe more than other mediums uh, in terms of, you know, the coders, the voice acting, the, the directing, the writing, the management, the, the marketing, like all of that stuff. Uh, and I, I just really wonder uh, you know, if, if it's capped to amount and, and maybe if it's capped to a, a hourly, uh, rate, I guess, uh, maybe that, maybe that means that they have to hire more people. So maybe it works out in the end, right? Cause they just get a bigger workforce. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a big thing. I, I, I hope that it's somehow solved, uh, cause it's, it's always terrible to read these stories, especially the stories of the studios closing. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Which we also got this week. Yeah. Uh, Christian, I'll let you have the last word on this. Well, I just wanted to say I understand um, unions and I like almost all unions. I think they're a, 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 a solve for a lot of things. <clears throat> so I don't want it to sound like here I'm trying to argue against the, the benefits that labor organizing brings. I, I, I think that brings a lot of benefits. I do also understand the point of pride of working hard, though I've certainly worked jobs um, even, you know, when I was an attorney where people were super passionate about the case that we were working on or the pro bono thing we were doing. And, you know, I've slept in the office. I laid down on the floor for two hours and got up and kept working and did that for four days straight. And it's because I believed in the client and I wanted to make sure it was done. And I've also worked on cases and, and places where it's like, it's five o'clock bye, <laughs> And it's like, this brief is due at five thirty, and they're like, "Well, yeah, but right. it's five. So I, I, who cares? Who cares about this client?" And so I understand, like, believing in something and being passionate about it and going that extra mile. Um, so I think it's how you frame the discussion. And I don't know uh, in this particular instance if the rock star example is one of um, horrible working conditions or it was kind of a, a misstatement uh, about a way to express a feeling. I do think in the games industry there are people that are certainly taken advantage of though. And we need to look to solve that in some form or fashion. Yeah. It's been interesting seeing the sort of anonymous rockstar employee quotes coming out tweets, you know, people like some people saying, Hey, it's no problem. I never had was asked to work any longer than I wanted to. And I took overtime and I was paid for it. I'm happy. And other people have like, this is, it's hell here. <laughs> Please send help. I'm writing this in a bottle and I put it into the sea, you know, that kind of thing. It's crazy how social media is, is, kind of the reason why this conversation exists right now. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, this wouldn't really have happened. They would have said a statement like that and one ended up in a magazine or something and people would have carried on about their day. Uh, and, and now these conversations spring up all the time. It seems like just week to week with studios closing and, you know, Twitter does its thing or, or social media in general does its thing for better or worse, uh, you know, depending on where you fall and all that. But it, it's kind of a crazy space <laughs> without a doubt. Christian, what is your story of the week? Well, it takes us back to simpler times. Um, way back when, there was this wonderful system called the Sega Genesis. 
uh arguably the best 16-bit system of all time it will never win that argument but arguably <laughs> arguably the best uh, this is relevant today because Remember analog- the thing people were most angry about is which console you liked <laughs> well, well they're back nice? the yeah. console wars are back finally something <laughs> to get oh, upset boy. about um analog they made the was the mini st and um oh i forget all the super nintendo ones they came out with the Genesis one, the Mega SG, and you can play your Sega Genesis cartridges. They use the, um, what's the name of the chip? Like the F, oh, I should have prepared more for this. Uh, I can say I bought one. I have pre-ordered one, but it's all rendered on chip and it's not, um, uh, bu- 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 come on brain. Um, so what happens is you actually plug a Genesis into this thing <laughs> and then you plug that into a modern television and you can actually plug your cartridges into it, and you can play old Sega Master System. Well, you don't and plug Sega... your Genesis into it. Yeah, that's what that's what I read. Said so no. Mega SG plugs directly into the original Sega CD and Mega CD with oh, a connector. Sega CD. Yes, not Genesis. It is it is the Genesis though. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you your, can use your peripherals, your... your Genesis peripherals. You plug into it. Yeah, yeah the CD drive, not 32x yet, but it actually it's it's not doesn't emulate the games. It's actually rendering them. Oh yeah, FPGA. Thank you, W. Matthew is the name of the chip. And these things can be kind of, I guess, designed the cores within them. I'm not a tech person in this regard, so I'm going to get this all wrong. But um, it. it plays it natively as as that console would and these are able to putting out an hdmi so it's a simple way to hook up these old systems you can you're playing your actual games you're not dumping it like the way a retron like kind of dumps it and then emulates it out you're actually playing your original games on, on a new cartridge. modern tv and i'm very excited so you pre-ordered one uh you left out the par- part where it costs 190 bucks how, um, what is that? Twelve hundred dollar GPU? What did you say? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to shame you for spending. That. I'm just saying you didn't say the the cost. It's yes. 190 bucks. Releases in April, so you pre-ordered it. It's you have a wait. You have a, a few months to wait. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you're you're all in on this. I am. I mean, I was a Genesis kid. I love my Super Nintendo. I almost bought the their Super Nintendo version of this from Analog. All of the stuff that they've released has stellar reviews. So it may, it's not as if I'm jumping in on something that's questionable. Um, all of their past consoles or retro consoles have been really well liked. Um, and I almost bought the Super Nintendo one, but at that time I'd kind of had my minis and enough stuff on old virtual consoles that I wasn't hankering to play it in the same way and then when this thing came out um you know i I talk about my copy of punisher that sits next to me every time we do this show almost every show uh so it struck that nostalgia itch for me and uh, the point where i think it like has a little seat and and little legs and it's like you're doing great christian you need to come up with a cartridge you need to come up with a dlc acronym for it so it can be an official guest yeah i think you're right uh jp are you are you a retro gamer are you into this this uh, kind of thing so I, I guess I got into the hype uh, for the SNES console that they put out, that, that uh, Nintendo put out. And I have one of those. Uh, it's been played for maybe all of five minutes and sits underneath our inter- entertainment system upstairs. Oh, uh, the Mini. You're talking about the Mini? Yeah, the Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I feel like those things are... I mean, I know those things are feeding on the, the novelty factor uh, <laughs> that everyone immediately <laughs> tries to buy them. But... I. I just, and maybe it's because of the, the line of work that I'm in, but I have a hard time booting those games up. I have a hard time booting any game up and 
and playing it without it being streamed. And most of the time, uh, if, if I'm going to stream a game, I try to stream, you know, the latest and greatest or, or whatever's kind of, uh, I sound like a businessman, but whatever's kind of trending. Um, so I have a hard time going back and playing a lot of those games. Not to say I haven't, but I, I haven't sat down and, you know, played through Final Fantasy VI off air or, or done anything like that in a very long time. Uh, no, you, I get, we get it. You you have uh, your focus groups, and they come into your office, and you right, ask them a right, series right. of questionnaires. You know, and then yes. you determine what games you'll play exactly. based on. Funny enough, my uh, my girlfriend actually for my birthday slash Christmas gift uh, this year, I don't know the name of the cabinet, uh, but she got this arcade cabinet that has like three thousand plus arcade games on it. Um, I don't uh, think it's it like sanctioned Mame? by anyone, uh, obviously, but it yeah yeah. I, I, you said Mame. I think that's correct in some yeah. fashion yeah uh so it, it's sitting in our garage i think we're gonna get it moved on tuesday I, we just got it like last week so i haven't even had a chance to boot it up but that's awesome is it like a full-size arcade cabinet yeah it's a full-size right uh, arcade cabinet it's got uh, two sticks on it uh, uh full i think it's i don't know what type of like tech it all is uh i know it doesn't have the like sanwa buttons or something like that i think that's a buzzword for arcade cabinets <laughs> yeah. in some sense yeah. um but yeah, I, I think I'll maybe jump back. I never beat Sunset Riders back in the day. Mm, so yeah. <laughs> I would love to revisit that. Uh, and there's definitely some other like smaller games that, that I'll check out. But yeah, I, I also wasn't the biggest Genesis fan. Oh, so Cut me deep. I, the, the, the kid down the street had a Genesis and I'd go down and check it out when like a, when a Sonic game came out. But I always missed Shining Force, I think. I, I feel like I always missed out on that stuff, but apart from that, I I feel like I didn't really miss all that much on the on the Genesis. Well, Christian, the question I have to you is: Did you spend the extra twenty five bucks to get the wireless Sega controller um, as well? Yeah, of course I did. You did. And my yeah, little it, so it's eight bit O, and they've released the six button Genesis. It also has shoulder buttons, so it's kind of I guess more equivalent yeah. to a Saturn controller. This, the six button Genesis controller came out specifically so they could port Street Fighter to it. If I don't. If I recall, is that right? Isn't that yeah, right? you could play it with a three-button controller, but I believe select changed your buttons from punch <laughs> to just, kick. Can you imagine? Oh, can man. Can you imagine trying to be competitive playing Street Fighter? I'm like, ah, oh, select. Now I'm going to do kicks for a while. Select. Now it's punches for a while. Yeah, you have to, oh, you have to be real days. quick. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, I did. I'm a little... It's 2.4 with a wireless adapter. Um, that plugs into an original Genesis port. So I can use it on my Retron or on my OG Genesis that I can't really hook up anymore uh, or on this new console, the Mega SG, when it comes out. I wish it was Bluetooth. They say that to keep prices down, they did it this way. But I'd like to have it Bluetooth so I could hook it up to anything, you know, and kind of play. Um, yeah, that'd be nice. On my on my PC or whatever, some some retro games that I have there. Maybe that's coming later. But yeah, I, I, can't, I can't spend the money on the console to play my old Genesis carts and then not, um, you know, not go the extra 25 bucks to get this, this wireless controller. And again, eight bit is a company that I, I own a lot of their products and have really enjoyed all of their stuff. So I feel like I'm, I'm safe taking the plunge with both of those things. And also, uh, I want pics of that cabinet JP, cause that sounds awesome. So she actually got it branded with, there's like an, it, the, the logo that's on my Twitter is on like the, the sides of it. And then at the top, it's like the Marvel vs. Capcom two, but mm. with my logo on it, it's, it's crazy. She went be oven, uh, above and beyond on that thing. So I'll, I will definitely post photos of that whenever it, we get it in, into a, uh, into the right location. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I, I don't know you well, but I will say, uh, she's a keeper. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a keeper. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> um, I just real quickly, I want to say an anecdote because last night, uh, just coincidentally, uh, I went to the birthday party of an old college friend that I haven't seen in a long time. And he is the biggest retro gamer I know. And he and his wife live in a house now and they have this like little sort of detached room uh, that he's turned into his little geek cave. And it's like wall to wall retro games. He even has an old Vectrix. Oh, guys, man. No, that thing is an insane piece of hardware. He's he, it, it has flaws. It doesn't work completely well. So he's trying to get it fixed. But he was showing us all these crazy. I mean, he has old link systems and game gear and, you know, just on and on and on. He has all these crazy old systems. Um, I just that just doesn't I lived through all those times and I yeah. definitely have nostalgia for them. But I'm like you, JP. I, I want the newest, latest, best. I'm ready for the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I can still smell those systems right now. So until that smell like goes away and I need to be reminded of it, I don't need to own any of that plastic right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. Um, some cool people in the chat are talking about all the stuff that they have. Uh, Microvision, uh, uh, Durrett says. Uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, nostalgia is great, but uh, give me, give me, you know, give me 100-hour work week games, <laughs> please. <laughs> Uh, all right. My story of the week uh, is going to be actually maybe I'll just do both of these as one because they're both about um, not getting things. Potentially, Uh-oh. we got a, uh, a an official delay for Days Gone from February to April. It's a their second bit delay, bummed. right? That was originally yes. this year. Then good Fed. for them. I think but, that's smart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I think this is again. We can't. I can't at the same time say, hey, I'm. I want my games to be you know not crunched and have people have, you know, humane working conditions and also bemoan uh, a delay. Like this is what should happen. If a game is not ready, take the time it needs. We can wait. There's plenty of stuff to play. Uh, and I want to, I'm excited for days gone and I can wait till April and February, by the way, is jam packed with crazy releases. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, February 22nd. That So it Metro, we were talking about this Metro days gone. Uh, and there's two crackdown three. What's the Anthem. fourth game that, Anthem. That's the other game that comes out. Yeah. yeah, we're all coming out on February twenty second. So, yeah, uh, good for Days Gone getting out of that and and letting the other three games duke it out. That's smart. I agree. My thought uh, with other- Days Gone being delayed. Well, one, I love uh, Ben Studio. Their games have been great, um, and I have a lot of faith and hope in Days Gone. But as its state gets pushed, I wonder what that means for Last of Us too, because I feel like while not the same game, similar in terms of general passerby like zombies and yeah post-apocalyptic world yeah Yeah, white guy with a beard protagonist right like things together protect people from zombies yeah similar similar in terms of marketing and stuff like that so as this gets further delayed i'm like okay so last of us 2 is not coming out until november like (laughs) i'm I'm just placing the one off the other yeah gotta have as much space as possible between those for sure i think that's smart uh, the other news story, and this one even closer to my heart, uh, we are two weeks away from BlizzCon, and I'm excited. I will be there. I have my hotel room. I'm so excited, as uh, as I am every year, because I'm such a Blizzard fanboy. And this year was going to be the year of Diablo 4. Everybody knew it. it, it the, the writing was on the wall. Uh, and turns out um, there's new writing on the wall. By wall, I mean internet. Um, 
some statements from people at Blizzard saying, hey, hold your horses, internet. Don't get so excited about Diablo 4. We know that we've been teasing big Diablo news. We know that the panel immediately following the big uh, commencement address where they announce all the cool things is the Diablo What's Next panel. But uh, you may get disappointed if you're excited for a new Diablo game. We have some exciting things, but uh, don't uh, hold your horses. The, the official quote is, these are exciting times. We currently have multiple teams working on different Diablo projects, and we can't wait to tell you about them, dot, 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 when the time is right. So uh, there will be, quote, Diablo-related news, but it sounds like they're tamping down expectations for what everybody thought was going to be the cornerstone of this year's BlizzCon, the next big Diablo game. Uh, What do you think about this, JP Bummer, or is it the biggest swerve of all time? (sighs) I mean, I'm going to kind of hijack this and just talk about Path of Exile. Because what do you care about Diablo 4 when <laughs> Path of Exile? I, I, I was converted uh, th- this past year into Path of Exile. And, and now I look at Diablo and I just want kind of more of a full-blown RPG from it. Like a, a top-down RPG from it instead of a, a looter-type game. I, I'm not even sure what you would call it. Uh, but it Path of Exile does everything that I would want from that genre. And I don't know of a way that they could do it better. Sure. Blizzard has proved me wrong uh, with that statement several, several times, but I, uh, I don't know. I, I also look at BlizzCon. I, I was originally going to be going. Um, this will be the second BlizzCon I've ever missed, uh, unfortunately, but it's just too close to TwitchCon, which is the weekend, this upcoming weekend, uh, one week prior. So um, it'll suck missing it. I, I hope that they have some cool stuff in store, but now I'm kind of left looking at, at BlizzCon and thinking that WoW Classic, I guess, is the biggest thing that they're going to have there. Boy, I hope that's not the case. That would be a major bummer for me if that's really the the biggest thing. I mean, I guess we'll see patch, you know, patches for things and probably new characters announced for stuff. But uh, yeah, for like major announcement, if it's not a Diablo, I don't know what else to expect. Me neither. Uh, but props to you for mentioning Path of Exile. It, it is a you're right. It is absolutely a game that does not get talked about enough. And those guys have talk about a labor of love. Uh, I've talked to those dev- developers uh, several times, and those guys are so passionate about that game. They have such a, a loyal community because they treat them really, really well. Um, it is a game that is completely supported through the goodwill of their audience, and it's because they don't abuse any of the microtransaction stuff. It's all really well done and handled. Yeah, you're right. I, I kudos to you for bringing that up. It is a great game. No problem. Look, this is all just uh, my way of of verifying that all of the purchases that I've made over the four grand that I've given that company and MTX <laughs> to just preach it as much as possible, so I don't feel too bad about it when I go to sleep. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough, uh, Christian. Uh, no Diablo Four at BlizzCon. Um, cancel BlizzCon. What? What, do we, what should we do? I think that's exciting news that you're going to BlizzCon and that you have a hotel room. And then I, I quit listening after that. But also, I'm stoked for Diablo 4. I'm so excited <laughs> to see it come do out at BlizzCon. Do you think that this might be like the uh, the swerve? Do you think that might be just like, don't get too excited? And it's like, get excited! We were just joking! No? Could I not dream about that? Yeah, I wouldn't dream about that. I could see them maybe like... <sighs> maybe it's announced, but not really shown. Like, you know, I think... People are saying it's just going to be the TV show that we already know about, but like details. Uh, about it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of exciting. And then maybe at the end of that, there'll be like Diablo four 
into the deep or whatever yeah, it's logo you'll yeah. get a logo. Like a logo reveal that'd be kind of yeah. cool i guess i mean that could like, be buzzing yeah like a metroid 4 you know what i mean like and i think they're trying to be like whoa 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 we have some cool diablo news and if people weren't going like I mean, it got such a fever pitch where it's like, okay, <laughs> Diablo 4 comes out November 18th. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. they're going to announce it. They have the panel. Then they're going to release it. It's going to be a beta. It's going to be the best day of my life. And they're like, oops. <laughs> we went well, a little too far. Was last year, my favorite was last year when they literally had a, a D4 in the in the goodie bag. Like they had a, a, a the dice, the Four right. I remember that and people are yeah. like D4 it's a code it's a hint yes yeah. and they're like oh we never thought of that oh god <laughs> we didn't even occur to us that people would think that oh oops <laughs> so that's funny this year they have a taco truck where you can only get like El Diablo tacos four on a plate but there's like oh no <laughs> two years in a row <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah it, I think it'll also be weird too that, that less Diablo more just Blizzard in general with uh I don't I haven't seen anywhere that Morheim is giving the the keynote. I, it's been passed, I would think, the the torch this time around since he's kind of left or or moved. I guess I should say in the company more to an advisor position. So yeah. that kind of sucks. I mean, it's I'll I'll give it. I'll get up there and announce Diablo Four. I mean, I'm now, <laughs> yeah. I'm available. I'll do it. I think it's going to be a big Morheim love fest. But totally, uh, it I, should I, be. Man. It should be. You're right. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right, well, let's uh, let's talk about some of the games that we have been playing. But first, I need to thank our sponsor, Robinhood. Okay, if you're like me and the idea of investing your money, you know you should. You know that you are going to need to do that in your life to be a smart person. But it seems very intimidating and you have no idea where to start and what to do. Uh, Robinhood is an amazing resource that you should be aware of. Robinhood is, a, is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. So if you've ever thought about, hey, man, it'd be fun to, to play the stock market, but I don't, kind of don't know what I'm doing. Every time I do a trade, it costs money. I, you know, maybe I'm into crypto. If, you're, if you want to learn about this stuff, oftentimes it takes spending money to do it every time you make a trade. Not so with Robinhood. They, their whole goal is to create a financial service, allow you to actually get into the market and do that for everybody, not just wealthy people. Make it accessible to everyone. Do it on your phone, in an app, in a non-intimidating way for newcomers to the stock market. You, they're specializing in people who are investing for the first time and to be able to do that confidently and without risking a lot of money uh, along the way. So, uh, you know, in, in spending you know, fees every time you, uh, you buy and sell. So the, 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 the specific thing that Robinhood does is that they're simple, clear, and intuitive. So you have all your data presented in an easy to digest way. This isn't, it, it, the whole point is to let people that don't know how to do this stuff understand it. No cost, uh, it's a no commission fees where other brokerages charge you up to $10 every trade, doesn't charge you commission fees at all at Robinhood. Stock trades, keep all of your profits. You don't have to pay to, to do a trade at all. And you can learn by doing. You build your portfolio. You can discover new t- stocks and track your favorite companies. You have this uh, personalized news feed. It's pretty amazing. And Robinhood is giving listeners of DLC a free stock like Apple, Ford, Sprint, to help build your portfolio. If you sign up at dlcpodcast.robinhood.com, 
you get a free stock. That's pretty cool to start, you know, understanding how this all works and get yourself into investing, building for your future. That's dlcpodcast.robinhood.com. Time to talk about the games we have been playing. Uh, JP, I know you've been playing a lot, but I'm very interested, seeing as how I saw you tweet about it, uh, about Soul Calibur Six. Oh God! <laughs> uh, so, at the start of this uh, podcast, I was told not to curse, and so talking about fighting games and not cursing is going to be very difficult for me. <laughs> I think they're one of the most uh, aggravating games out there. Uh, and Just Soul Calibur is Shuriken, or you know, come up with some. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. It uh, so Soul Calibur Six came out. Uh, it's it's very similar to other Soul Calibers. I, I think that if you've played a Soul Calibur, you kind of know what to expect in that regard. Uh, yes, you can still ring people out. Yes, it's still the most frustrating thing when it happens, unless you're doing it, and then it's just glorious, and you chase your opponent off immediately, like you did on the Dreamcast. Um, I think the the fun part about it, and the fun part that's always kind of been when they started putting in this character creation stuff. Um, people have just gone kind of crazy in terms of the characters that you're seeing online. So you can take, you can go and create a character and you base that off any of the other characters in the game. And then you can take your basically unique character and put that online. Um, and so it'll say, you know, you're fighting character name. My name, I think is like it me JP, but it's based off of nightmare. Uh, so everyone knows kind of the, the base character. And then you get in game and you see, Sometimes you see like a cool looking guy with a bunch of spikes. Sometimes you see like an anime girl with, you know, a maid outfit. And sometimes you just see some things that you kind of wish you didn't. Uh, <laughs> ultimately. Uh, um, and sometimes you see things where you can't even play because you're laughing so hard. Uh, in particular for me, I, you can also browse through the characters. And we spent a long time doing that on my stream, uh, about two hours worth of just browsing through different creations. And uh, I ended up on a Kirby, which is just the most genius thing I've ever seen. It was basically the the fattest and largest character model that was turned all pink. He had his little shoes on that were, of course, red. And then they put lipstick and two eyes over his chest (laughs) and just gave him like the most uh, innocuous head, basically. So you kind of forget it was there. It's supposed to be Kirby. It looks more like... um, Oh, a nightmare? <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like little night. Uh, what? Not little nightmares. Little monsters. I think was oh, the Nickelodeon right. show. Crunk uh, K- or some Kirk, something like that. From there, it looks more like him than it does Kirby. But uh, regardless, it gave me a good uh, a good laugh for about uh, almost a minute or so into tears. Um, but apart from that, like, yeah, it's it's a fighting game. If you're not into those, then stay away because they they are very prone to uh, to rage. Uh, at least when it comes to the online stuff. For whatever reason, it's kind of always been my Achilles heel when it comes to gaming. Um, I've always wanted to be good at fighting games, but I think it, it's just one of those things where if you're not there grinding out the hours on it, you're just never going to be. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm I'm kind of thinking it might be the one where I just finally sit down and like figure out how to play and get good. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, it, I have to step away from from computers and from gaming for the next week. So maybe when I get back, it won't be there. That that lust uh, for being good at fighting games won't be there. But I hope it is because I'm 
even though I'm very upset after a loss, I'm very excited and very happy whenever I play uh, and, and win in that game. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, what I remember about Soul Calibur as a franchise is that there was so much to do single player. You didn't even have to worry. I mean, there was so many sure. ways to grind and do things. It, it, is, are you just not interested in not being online? Um, so we we did a couple of uh, – so there's two story modes actually. There's – oh, man. I think it's called Libra of Souls, which is this weird uh, – like you create a character and then it kind of guides you through uh, – I wouldn't say tutorializes a lot of stuff, but you know it, it kind of guides you through the world, so to speak. And you'll get into a fight and it's like you got to kill these three pirates and then you fight one at a time. Um, and I think that obviously gets harder and harder as you go on and you kind of – you start out with not that much gear on your character. Your character actually levels up and gets more HP per level. So I think by the end of that, you're just kind of, you know, a, I don't, I think you're stronger than what a normal character would be. Um, and then on the other side of that, the other story stuff is kind of your bread and butter for Soul Calibur. They kind of did what Street Fighter V did, though, uh, at least when it first uh, released, where there's very little like fighting cutscenes and it's more like a. I don't know. It, it's two character arts that look almost like in, in between professional and fan art of the characters. And they're kind of having a conversation and, and it's voice acted. It's, it's not the most entertaining thing in that regard, a little stale. And then it's like, how Oh, much incentive to do it is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And Oh, you know, here's Maxi and you, you get to fight Maxi as Killick and yeah. let's fight. Um, and that has, one, once you kind of beat that, then you can go and do every uh, character story. So I went and did Geralt's story, who's kind of the unique character for this game right, uh, right. from The Witcher. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah he kind of, <laughs> he pops up from, he finds a sorceress and and, uh, and his world. And she, of course, opens a portal to, uh, into the Soul Calibur world, which is actually just like 1670 Europe or something like that. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so that's a little weird. Um, I was hoping Geralt would run run into Valdo, but he doesn't. Unfortunately, right. he just runs into um, a couple of I, I forget the other characters, Z- Zazamel or something like that. And then he, you fight some other people down the line. But it's like six fights, and that was kind of it. Um, it. It wasn't too too long, but every character has their own story in it. So yeah, you can fight AI stuff. I don't know if there's a difficulty selection for that stuff i don't recall there i i figured there would have to be so you're not just like fighting normal or easy ai because i didn't really have an issue with it um and the second that i stepped online i just got completely destroyed against someone who was obviously much better than me um so you know the the single player stuff there it's there if you want to kind of jump into that and just push buns and see things explode that's always fun to do for sure I feel like um, NetherRealm Studios just ruined single player for any other fighting game studio. I mean, back, with back in the day, it was like Street Fighter. You know, the single player in Street Fighter 2 was a cutscene of Ryu walking down an alley. Like, not even a, a still picture of, of Ryu walking down an yeah. alley, right, with his mm-hmm. duffel bag single, over his Single back. player in Street Fighter was, uh, sucks that you didn't get anybody to come over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was a story, yeah. and it would be like, be better next time. Or, you know, one image and a thing and yes games have come a long way uh all genres in terms of narrative and graphics and this that, and the other but man what nether realm has done with injustice and justice 2 mortal Kombat 9 and 10 um also having a pretty healthy online mode as well but those single player campaigns are just injustice 2 you know it, it's diablo the fighting game right it's, it's like 
such a loot grind and there's something to do in amazing cutscenes. And I'm not trying to steer the conversation away from Soul Calibur six, but it's like when that's the bar, everything else just seems like, eh, I guess there's a story, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, well, let's talk about call of duty blackout because uh, Christian, you weren't here last week. We talked about it a bit and I know JP, uh, like I said, I've been reading your tweets. And so uh, I, I know you have lots of thoughts about, that as well. So why don't you start us off? Tell me what you feel about Call of Duty Blackout. So I started playing BR back in the days of Arma, back before BR was kind of a thing. Back back when you know Player Unknown started making what BR is today. Before back he, when he was when, really unknown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, back before his moniker made sense. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and and I think I kind of got over it when. PUBG came out and then when Fortnite came out and Fortnite's a little bit different when it comes to building and whatnot. And then the blackout uh, beta came out and I jumped in, you know, it's call of duty. I, you know what call of duty is. If you've played it, you kind of know what to expect in terms of how that game goes gunplay wise and, and whatnot. Um, so I jumped in the beta, not really expecting to love it too much. In fact, I jumped in on the console first before it was out on PC. Um, and I think I ended up putting about 20 hours into the console in two or three days. And then, uh, that weekend, the PC version came out, and I think I put like 30 or 35 hours into it, and it, and it completely reignited my love for what Battle Royale games are. Um, I, I think that they have really like taken what Call of Duty is and taken the gunplay of Call of Duty that everyone's played before, because it's kind of, for the most part, the same from game to game, and really just adopted it so well into what the Battle Royale mode is. Um, obviously, there's some issues and some some news stories and some Reddit threads that have popped up this past week when it comes to like server tick rate and kind of people dying behind trees because of a 20 tick server instead of a 60 tick server, et cetera. But ultimately like, it's just fun. Like I I've hopped in there off stream multiple times with friends who are streaming just cause I want to sit there and get inside and start, you know, playing with them playing with three friends and start winning games. Uh, it, it's been an absolute blast and everything that I've played. Christian, how do you feel? I haven't heard you weigh in yet on Call of Duty Blackout. I know you've gotten some time with it. Yeah, I uh, I got a code on PC. Is how I spent most of my time uh, with the game, and I'm I'm so impressed by this game. Still, it, it I know when it got announced, it was kind of the also ran of this, and we kind of it seems like we the general gaming community and press like oh they're doing it again, and then when they decided to ditch single player. A lot of people moaned and groaned, and I I do miss that single player, especially Infinite Warfare's. I thought was incredible, and some of those teams over there have shown you know the ability to tell awesome bombastic tales with that same gunplay. Um, so I do miss that. I don't want to say that it's like oh yeah, I'm glad it's gone. Blackout's all I need, but Blackout it, it plays so well. And as JP described, you know, it's that motion, the gunplay you're so familiar with, and they do it as well as anybody in the business. And it's such an interesting balance of like the air quote realism of something like PUBG, but with that little bit faster pace and gunplay that you know and love from Call of Duty. So I haven't, I think my best finish is maybe like 13th or 12th. I haven't cracked the top 10, but I'm, I can top 20. Uh, dare I say consistently. Um, and so I'm still learning that difference. Like I'm used to 
Fortnite is very different in terms of speed of play. And then PUBG, there are moments in PUBG, dare I say, where you're bored and you're kind of supposed to be. It's like that tense moment and you're like, ugh, because of the way these levels are designed, I'm so far away from anything that matters. I have pretty good stuff here. It's not worth running across this field because I'm going to get sniped. I may as well just hole up and see which where this circle goes. And the way the map in Blackout feels built is that, it, at least in you know the hours I've spent with it, it feels as if you're always close enough to the next area that it's worth pressing or trying to find or explore or get better weapons and the way they've moved the perks to inventory slots. It kind of gives you more reason to it's given me more reason to explore instead of holding up. So I find myself caught out in the open more than I want to be as I learn my way around these maps. Um, but for the problems that World War II launched with, and I don't know if they ever got fixed in terms of like their lobby. And I know Activision and Call of Duty is several teams and on two or three year cycles. And it's hard to compare last year's to this year's. Um, and as JP mentioned, this year's has had a few tick rate problems and this, that, and the other. But for a game as big as it is in terms of popularity and um, day one streaming and people playing online, it has been surprisingly smooth for me. And I feel like anecdotally online, surprisingly smooth. And the fact that this game's able to come out and seem as polished and high quality as it is when Fortnite came out pretty high quality, but also took a while if you consider the time they spent on um, Save the World. And then PUBG is still rough, man. It's still rough and to have this game come out and be as polished as it is and to have it i feel like and jp uh correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like they made a pretty good jump from beta to release in terms of tweaking the visibility of weapons and armor nerfing a little bit and um movement within doors and stuff like that where it just seems like this game this game has legs i'm not sure if i'm comfortable spending 60 bucks on it the rest of the modes still don't uh, speak to me that much the way classic call of duty multiplayer never really spoke to me um so i guess the proof is in next year's pudding and how they support this thing but right now as a game getting rid of price point single player all that stuff just as a mode um dare i say blackout is phenomenal i think it's really great yeah it you know you, you mentioned the 60 dollar price point uh, to jump into that just a little bit i I don't think they'll ever ever do it just in, in terms of what looking at kind of the history of Activision and the fact that, you know, Call of Duty's rarely, if ever, go on sale to begin with. Um, I, I don't know if they'll ever split it out, but man, that would be so cool if they did. Cause I, I'm like you, I do not care about zombies and the, and the traditional multiplayer I've played a billion times. I think everyone else has too. And so I would think most people are sick of that. So for 20 bucks, I would think blackout would do amazingly well especially now that they've got the uh all their microtransaction stuff that they just announced that i think is live for playstation right now and i think it's friday or saturday of next week it goes live for everywhere else i i hope that they do that in in the future just because it, i i want to see that game succeed especially on pc a, a place where call of duty just has always died after the first week yeah um and i think it will but i think a lot of people are always going to be like yeah but it, you know it's a 60 dollar fortnite right? Like Fortnite's free. So <laughs> I don't, I hope that they eventually split it out, but we'll see. And I'm curious how those, oh, sorry. I'm just curious how those microtransactions play out because 
they make so much sense in Fortnite in terms of visual stuff and in Call of Duty I'm I'm curious I'm sure people they'll make money but I don't know if they'll have the legs to support a free to play model perhaps the way Fortnite does but I've been wrong many a times before Yeah I feel like they're kind of dipping their their toes in the water a little bit with it, it it's mostly skins from what i've seen or at least what i've read uh, and kind of what they put out there i haven't browsed the the playstation store at all um and i think that's cool because right now you kind of have your your four or five models that you see or avatars that you see non-stop um unless you're you're playing with a bunch of crazy streamers that are like level 80 and 90 already <laughs> right yeah uh, but for the most part you know you're seeing your general people um and i think a lot of the stuff that they had in the beta um, specifically the Seraph model, which is kind of the one that I've always wanted to play on live is not there yet. And so I don't know if that's going to be unlocked later or if that's something I have to buy or what, but yeah, I'm eager to see what they put out there um, next week. I think they're also doing a Halloween event theme, kind of like what Fortnite does, uh, seasonal type stuff, which just makes sense. Uh, people want to buy into that stuff. Um, so I hope it does well. I, I hope that it does well enough to where they're like, all right, maybe we can put this out as its own thing. But, well, that's my, my question is both for both of you guys that, that like this so much it, in an, in a market that is these perpetual games and some of them free does an annualized call of duty BR make sense. Is it something you, I mean, obviously their, their multiplayer has done that and people accept resets and starting over from, from their traditional multiplayer, but it just seems like BR might be a different animal especially because the competition is this perpetual world that keeps on trucking. What do you think? Yeah, that's, I don't, I hope not. I hope, I, I don't know if I want to play, you know, whatever new gameplay elements they bring in next year into a blackout. And, and I don't know if that, if those type of elements work in a BR world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the The perks that you pick up are kind of the, the abilities in a sense that you would get in kind of your normal multiplayer stuff. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if, I don't know what they could do year after year how, or, or if they just release a new map and it kind of brings that into the fold, right? It's the same, it's the same game that you've been playing the past year, but it's just an entirely new map that comes out every year. Maybe that's what they do. I don't know. I could see something that's like tied to, another release maybe it has single player maybe it's multiplayer there's like other things with this and what the 60 dollar boxed copy or you know download gets what it gets you is access to the new map early you know the way PUBG has three maps now Fortnite's still rocking the one that they keep changing but maybe it's like okay now you get into the desert map early so that's an incentive for you to get in and then if this microtransaction stuff works out for them it would be and you'll get 2000 you know br credits or whatever it is right and so now and and you get this exclusive skin so there's a reason for you to buy into this thing where it's still an air quote value (laughs) easy for me to say value proposition but if you don't have that and you still have last year's blackout you can still play the game and have access to all that stuff they just kind of do these pre-order type incentives to bundle that with their other 60 dollar game something like that makes a lot of sense to me and it's something that i could support but i I agree kind of with you and and i think jeff uh what you were saying too like annualizing this this type of mode feels antiquated now um how so many other games are doing it and i I think activision's aware of that i i hope they are especially if you want to start selling microtransactions and skins and stuff to people like i don't want all of that to go away in a year you know 
Yeah, that that's I, that's a great point that I didn't even think about. Is if if they do push out, you know, another BR game and all those the MTX goes away a year from now, then why would anyone ever buy that? Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is the jumping off point for Treyarch to just focus purely on BR. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe they just focus purely on that. They drop it from kind of the sixty dollar uh, model and and put it out there for twenty. Or hell, you know, if the MTX goes well, maybe they put it out there free um, after a while. Uh, that would be a huge thing uh, if they did that. I could see it doing very, very well for them, especially right now where PUBG's numbers are just dwindling. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you use kind of, if you use um, Twitch numbers for for metrics on that stuff, it is it is on life support right now <laughs> on that platform. Uh, and, and, and black ops has been beating Fortnite, uh, I think for most days since it, it's launched. So it's, it's definitely out there. They definitely sold a lot of copies of it. Oh yeah. It's, we'll, it seems we'll see how it goes. hotness. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break and think our second sponsor, which is Squarespace. Uh, if you have any reason to have an online presence, a website of any kind, and we all do at some point, Squarespace is your place. It is the place to make an easy, beautiful, well-performing website. Uh, You can showcase your work. You can blog. You can publish content. You can even sell stuff. They have e-commerce built right in. It's super easy. And it's all drag and drop. What you see is what you get. Build your site using their tools. You don't even have to give them a credit card to do that. You just go to their site, build your, your website, get it to how you like it, and then you pay them. There's no, you know, automatic charger card or any of that. They're so confident with their tools, how easy it is and how much you're going to like the finished product of your website that they let you build it for free. And uh, that's because you start with beautiful templates uh, that are designed by professional world-class designers and you are able to make them your own. You just drag and drop, slide stuff around, make it look how you want it to look, drop in e-commerce if you need that. They've got analytics, they've got built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, there's never anything to patch or upgrade. It's just the simplest, easiest way to do it. I always recommend it to all of my friends and family. Anytime my family members are like, I need a website, I say Squarespace. It is so easy. I've been using it for a decade. JeffCanada.com is on Squarespace. I love it. They have 24-7 award-winning customer support. If you ever run into any problems, it's great. You can make your website yourself. You don't have to hire someone to make a beautiful website. Make it yourself. Make it stand out. And we're going to help you out. If you go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me that squarespace.com slash J E F F S E N T M E. You get a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch your website, use the offer code Jeff sent me J E F F S E N T M E all one word. And you get yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Do it. Squarespace has supported the show from the beginning. We hope you support them in return. Show them it was a good idea. That's uh, squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Uh, all right, JP, is there anything else on your playlist? Anything else you've been playing that, uh, that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at my last uh, 30 days right now on this, this site just to see what I've been playing. Dragon Quest Eleven, can't recommend that enough. Uh, fantastic JRPG. Uh, I know you've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I, I've, I think I'm, quote, finished with that game. That's a big game, so it's really a, a struggle to say that I'm finished with it, but I, I loved my time with it for sure. Um, I'm trying to think. I've played a bunch of WoW, but I, I think I'm good. I think I'm. <laughs> are you are you one of the people that, that didn't didn't like uh, Battle for Azeroth? Is it a is it a expansion? And it's it's more just the nature of streaming. You kind of go from one game to the other. So I did the raid. I'm good. I'll be back. You know, <laughs> next next patch, next expansion. That I don't want to touch. Kind of what's going on with that game with the ten foot pole. I, I think that that community is handling that just fine. I think that BlizzCon is going to be a very pivotal thing for that game. 
um, moving forward and, and kind of how they address that whole situation. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed BFA launch. Um, I know that there are struggles with it now um, in kind of the, the post 8.1 world or I guess 8.0 world. I don't know if they're at 8.1 just yet. That might Not be quite, on PTR yeah. or something like that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I got what I wanted from the launch and, and I'm good. Awesome. Yeah, I am certainly not done with Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but my goodness, do I love that game. I, I adore it. I And it is such a shock to me that I would feel that way about an Assassin's Creed, even after Origin. Origin I liked a lot, but this game, it's just, it's just ticking all the boxes for me. I mean, it's really, it does feel like it borrowed a lot of systems from a lot of other games, but all of them, I think it does very, very well. And there's always something really interesting to be doing around the corner. And it's a massive, massive world that feels like a world. Uh, I know some people have said that it can feel a little cookie cutter. I don't, I don't really feel that way. I'm constantly rewarded for my curiosity. I'm constantly in, uncovering really interesting quests that don't have anything to do with the main story. Yeah, that's not like a world at all, Jeff. I don't know what world you live in, but my curiosity, <laughs> I just get cult, told to mind my own business, focus yeah. on my own work. Uh <laughs> That's why I play video games, man, because I can be a uh, curious George. And I wander off like, the path and get hit by a car. Like the world is, is none <laughs> yeah. of those things you're describing, Jeff. Yeah, it's so good. Um, the other thing that uh, has changed my world, and I mentioned this at the end of last episode, but I didn't really go into it a lot because it was really pretty new to me at that point. But I've had a week with my 21.9 monitor now. Ooh, um, do you think? Dude, it's life changing. It's life changing. Uh, today I bought, I uh, finally jumped in Christian. I followed your advice and uh, shadow. Of the tomb Raider was on massive discount on steam. 30% off. Does it have ray tracing yet? No, not no, yet. it's not in. No, it's not in. I'm waiting for that too. <laughs> but at 40 bucks, I was like, I'm going, I'm doing it. Uh, and uh, I bought it today. So I barely played anything, but dude, it's just like, in 21.9, everything looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. What did you jump from 1080p before that? No, I was at, I was already at, uh, whatever it is, 1440p, you know, yeah. the 24 or whatever, but I was at, you know, uh, 16.9, you know, it's like, it's, it's completely different to have the whole screen envelop your view. And I, I'm just in, I just adore it. And it's the first monitor also that is, that I've had that has had G sync I think oh, that is okay. really blowing my mind too. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I can't recommend it enough. I know it's an expensive upgrade, but um, I was I was worried. I was like, is it going to be weird? Like, I game on my PC, but I also do work, and I don't know if it's going to be annoying to have you know I can't maximize a window because there's all this white space. No, 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 no. It's awesome because now I have two windows open, tiled, and I like. It's just everything is better. Everything is better. I adore it. I'm so happy I did it. I have two windows open. One is this podcast. The other one is Assassin's Creed that I'm still playing while doing this yeah. podcast. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed on, on Xbox One. But um, but Tomb Raider, dude, like even the cutscenes are in 21.9 because it's all in engine. So they can just uh, blow it out. And it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so yeah. I would I would echo that G Sync. Uh, I've I've been on the G Sync train for three or four years now. I, early adopter, basically of it, and it, it, get get in front of a monitor with G Sync at 144 hertz, 1440p, 1080p, 21 by nine, whatever. It it is a game changer. It is you should be playing your games on that without a doubt. If you can, they're very expensive without yes, a doubt. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but you know, worth saving your pennies for. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, 
Christian, what's uh, what else is on your playlist? Well, I put just a little bit of time. I got uh, codes uh, from our friends of the show, and they've been on the show, people at Zen Studios. Um, and they will be again very soon, I think. We're, we're making that happen. Oh, that's great. Um, the, they, the Williams tables went away from their previous rights holder, and then Zen was like, guess what we have? Um, the Williams tables. And so I've, I have the first three of those. I think that's all there are. And these are real-world tables um, that have been digitized before, but now part of the Zen universe. I'm playing them on Switch. Um, I haven't put a lot of time into them uh, in terms of cumulative time, but I feel like an hour with pinball tables feels like a good amount of time so far. Um, I've, I've read some of the stuff online. I guess some of the um, blowback online is that some of the tables have been censored a little bit to meet a an E for everyone rating. I think if I remember correctly, like a cigar was removed and some different art elements of the tables have been altered. Um, I understand fans um, outrage over that. Like I that legitimately makes sense to me if this was one of my favorite tables of all time. And now the only way to play it, or the you know, if I'm going to buy it now to play it digitally, and that art has been changed, I I get that. I think that's a legitimate concern. None of these tables um, are that to me. None of these tables are Punisher on Genesis, um, <laughs> so I, I don't have that connection to them in the same way. But I understand it. Um, and then Sit right here, Christian. Hey, you're <laughs> oh, doing thanks, great. thanks, little Frank. You're the best. <laughs> um, uh, thanks, little Nick. Uh, yeah, and to the chat, yes, you can play vertically on the Switch, and it's it's awesome. Um, uh, and some people complain about the the physics and like, oh, Zen physics. It really shows how broken Zen physics are when you're playing a real world table on it. That criticism, as someone who is, I, I love digital pinball and was not a pinball wizard back in my local arcade or pinball haunt, um, doesn't ring as true to me. I've I've liked the Zen physics playing these tables uh, and the Zen platform feels good to me. I, I enjoy them, and I like the way that you can kind of do the, I guess, popularized by Halo Remastered, where you can see, like, new graphics, old graphics, new graphics, old graphics. And what this does is it's like it adds, like, the Zen pizzazz of, like, uh, pizzazz, <laughs> pizzazz. Uh, <laughs> you were trying to get fancy. You were trying to be fancy. Yeah. If you push the button. You- I like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, someone push the Christian knows how to talk button, please. Um, it, You get, like, the, you know, the pretend characters walking on the table and those 3d interactive elements like on the star wars ones that were never real tables like a tie fighter swoops in and stuff and you can turn that on or off to your liking and i think that's really fun to do um and if you like pinball i would recommend checking out the tables unless like some of the art being changed to appease esrb ratings makes you mad um, then I understand that and I haven't followed up on it. I don't know if there's been a statement, but I guess hopefully in a couple of weeks we can get it from from the horse's mouth. So I understand that. But at the same time, I think these tables are are a lot of fun and they do provide some insight to them when you kind of load them up. It talks about the table, who made it, why it's significant um, and stuff like that. So there's a little history lesson that I get to bore my kids with before they play, quote, that one race car one, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So that's a Zen pinball and you're playing it on switch mostly. I am playing it on switch. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, all right. You know, I started up a new thing last week when you were gone, Christian, uh, I, I have now invited, uh, listener reviews. So if there's a game that you wish we would talk about, we haven't talked about enough, you are liking and you want to send in your own review, you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Uh, in fact, last week when I kicked it off, it started with someone, and I have to apologize, I mis- mispronounced his name, uh, Angel 
Garza. I said Garcia, and I wanted to apologize on the show. Uh, I apologized to him via email, but I wanted to make it official on the show as well. So apologies to that. Um, but he was the first. And now we have a, a second entrant into our uh, listener review. This one comes from Kenny W. Uh, he says, uh, so every year for my birthday, I buy myself something I wouldn't buy myself normally. This year, I bought Starlink and a few attachments because at the very least, I could have some cool looking spaceships for my desk at work. The physical ships do light up according to what you do in the game. And so do some of the weapons. I point out, you do not need to purchase them physically to play the game. Now to the game. It feels like No Man's Sky. You can even seamlessly fly in and out of planets with Ratchet and Clank gunplay and a bit of Mass Effect without the deep storylines. This game is deeper than I expected. All the ships have base stats, and you can mix and match wings to change up some of your stats, defense, attack, speed, etc. And there are lots of options there. You can play your way. Everything levels up with use, which includes the ships, pilots, and weapons. If you like loot, it's everywhere. Collectible things that you can turn in for money and items, mods that you can use to alter your ships and weapons. There's a system similar to No Man's Sky where you can scan things for currency and XP. Fauna and flora are all specific to each planet. The controls are okay. When on the ground, it's just normal strafe controls. When in flight and in space, acceleration is done with the left stick and the right stick controls all other movement. This causes a bit of an issue when you want to boost and or jump while controlling direction since those are mapped to the face buttons and I didn't see any way to change the control the control scheme. It doesn't take too much to get used to when you're on a planet, but it could put you in a tough spot when you're trying to dogfight in space. The main loop is that each planet has resources to find and sell to outposts, which you find, save, and then upgrade to increase your visibility on each planet. The other thing you try to do is to rescue the Legion hold on each planet. Think saboteur or just cause, except you do a bit more than just blow things up. The story is space hero sci-fi thing. Someone was kidnapped because they have info that the evil guy wants and you have to save them. Last, I'll talk about the weapons because they are great. I thought I was just going to settle into a couple of favorite weapons and go from there. No. Enemy weaknesses are huge, and so are weapon combos. They work similar to Mass Effect combos. I freeze an enemy and then hit it with a fire attack, thermal combo for extra damage. Or I hit it with kinetic weapons for shatter combos. I can create a vortex with one weapon and then hit it with fire or ice to do that type of damage over time while the enemy gets caught in the vortex. Levitate an enemy with one gun, then slam it down with a gravity gun. There are quite a few possibilities and the game rewards you for trying out different styles. This game has been surprisingly fun and is probably a great starter space game to play with kids. It's pretty easy on normal if you don't get swarmed or fight something too much higher than you on your level. And the stress levels are pretty low too, which makes it this, uh, which makes this a fun pickup and play game. You can do a lot in a small amount of time. So you almost never feel like you wasted an hour and accomplished nothing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kenny W. That's his uh, listener review for Starlink, a game that I've been high on ever since I saw it, uh, I don't know, two or three E3s ago. Uh, That's the new um, Toys to Life game. That's Ubisoft, right? Yes, Ubisoft. Yeah, that's right. I remember they showed that and I was just like, what? Like what? Toys to Life? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently really good. I've heard multiple people or read multiple people on Twitter say the same exact thing that uh, the viewer was saying. They, They said it's quite good. I'm anxious to, to, to try it myself because I loved it coming out of, of both E3s that I played it on. And, it, you know, it's, it's like they remember to actually make a video game instead of just make cool toys, you know, which I think a lot of the toys are like games. The video game really felt like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, but uh, this actually sounds like an awesome game. Um, yeah. 
I think some people are calling it no man's Skylanders, <laughs> but, uh, I think it's, it, it really, hopefully will will do okay this year and, uh, reward, uh, them staying in this, this genre that everybody else has left because yeah, who's still making cool. is Skylander still a thing. Do, do I they think still? it is. I don't think they're making any new Skylanders. No. Cause I know Marvel infinity. I think I, I had all them. I just had those. I never played the game. I just had the toys. Yeah. It's um, Disney infinity. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. 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 Disney. Uh, infinity, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. there's another one that's gone. Yeah. They are all sort of abandoned. Pretty Disney quickly. Lego Skylander. Yeah, Lego. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Gone. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thank you guys. Uh, thank you. Excuse me. Thank you, uh, Kenny, for sending this in. And you can uh, send in your review to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. We are going to uh, do some quick questions now. But first, just want to thank Linode. Uh, Linode is a hosting company offering high-performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all. Quick servers in the cloud, uh, super fast, 200 gigabyte per second network, all data centers, Automated backups, node balancers, managed services, native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for just 10 bucks a month with over 400,000 customers that trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. All of 5x5's infrastructure is uh, happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. You just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. Linux, uh, Lin- Linode has a huge announcement. They are offering a one gigabyte for $5 plan. High memory plans start at 16 gigabytes for $60 a month and an upgrade in storage from 24 gigabytes to 30 gigabytes on your two gigabyte for $10 plan. Support the show and for $20 of Linode credit on a new account, visit promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's promo.linode.com slash DLC. Simple, powerful, reliable, linode.com. Time for some quick questions. Remember, you can send in your quick questions to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them in our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. There's a sticky thread there. Uh, this one comes from Frankie T. Frankie says, hi, I'm looking for some local multiplayer games that my girlfriend and I can play together. We have a PS4, but I am welcome to all console suggestions. I find it harder and harder to find split uh, split screen or local multiplayer versus or co-op games nowadays. Very single player online focused. So uh, JP, do you have any great couch co-op, couch competitive local multiplayer games to recommend? Uh, The game that came to my mind right off the bat was Overcooked. Yes, uh, I think as long as you and your partner are comfortable, you're getting a little stressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great one for sure. Christian, you have any uh, any suggestions? Towerfall um, is, I, I believe, I was furiously furiously googling. Um, I believe that's co op. Uh, someone looked that up, confirm. And then I was trying to find the other game too. It's like, uh, there's two of them. Oh yeah. Nidhogg. Nidhogg is great. Oh yeah. Nidhogg's great. Good, and good. Nidhogg too is also great. So if, if Towerfall's not two player, which I think it is, um, do Nidhogg. I but you, I, want to, you want to Nidhogg with your girlfriend? I guess. Yeah. You, you definitely do. Okay. Right. Couples that Nidhogg together buy MAME cabinets for each other together. I think. <laughs> uh, my suggestion is a game called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Mm. And I think it's available on PS4. I know it's I available say on it Xbox. Is. I, I think it is. I think it's multi-platform. Yeah. Uh, 
tons of fun, charming. Uh, it's a game uh, about flying through space, and it's kind of like a platformer and a shooter all at once and sort of a Metroidvania kind of vibe there too. You're in this funny little spaceship that has multiple platforms and different stations in it. And you and your girlfriend in this case, or whoever you're playing with uh, has to run around inside the ship and man different stations that control different things. Like somebody's controlling the direction you're flying. Somebody's controlling a shield. Somebody's controlling guns on either side. And you're trying to fend off the things around you and get to where you need to go. But you can only control a certain number of things at a certain time. And it's zany and fun and charming. And uh, I love the visual style as well. So I think you'll, I think you'll dig it. It's called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Oh, and another one, A Way Out, I think is interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. If you want Great. to Fantastic. get into that, that action. It's, it's really interesting and really unique what it does um, and not terribly difficult. Yeah, that's a great game. I forgot all of I played that and loved every second of it and completely forgot about it till you just brought it up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. uh, Next quick question comes from Chris White. Uh, Chris says, quick question. I'm a teacher and think a lot about what my gaming youth would be like if I was a teenager today and how different the gaming and the gaming landscape is. Assuming you are over a certain age, I would say 30 plus. We all are. Uh, what kinds of games would you be playing if you were a teenager today in 2018? Would you be playing different kinds of games, online, multiplayer, battle royale, mobile, etc., than what you did back then? What do you think, JP? Hmm. I probably would have bought into the Fortnite stuff. I think, you know, the, the parallels would be Quake 3 for me as a teenager then, and now would be probably Fortnite, which... Mm. Man, that sucks for kids today. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm I'm all about some quake, but yeah, I think I'd probably be doing you know Fortnite. I would hope I would shy away from mobile games. Um, I th- I think that they are kind of built philosophically to just suck you in uh, these days. So I I'd probably be playing some sort of mobile game and and asking my parents for their credit card constantly. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think I'd be playing MMOs at all. I, I think that. I, I played so much WoW as a kid uh, when I was a teenager, and I, I think nowadays MMOs are are such a, in a weird way, an old man's game. Um, so I, I don't think I'd be playing those. Probably mostly Fortnite is what I'd be into. Yeah, it's hard to say that you anybody wouldn't be playing Fortnite because every teenager is right. And I, I know that for me, I, this will date me a little more. The game that was my teenage game was Street Fighter Two, mm-hmm. and because it was like multiplayer. Oh my God, I could test my skills and go, yeah, I had to go down to the arcade to do it. But um, man, it, that's uh, I think that you get that same itch scratched with, with Fortnite now. And, you know, as much as I always think like, when oh, it felt like at the time, because I didn't have the internet, uh, I was the only one into these things. I, I didn't know other people that were into that stuff. Everybody was into that stuff, right? It, it, I wasn't a unique little flower. Everybody loved Street Fighter Two at that time, and uh, I think it's the same way now. I just, I'd be into Fortnite because everybody's into Fortnite, and every teenage kid loves Fortnite. So I would be, I think I'd be playing it a heck of a lot more than than I do now. That's for sure. Uh, Christian, how about you? Yeah, I, I think Fortnite's a really safe answer. I think as someone that likes to get into things, um, and also someone who, as a teen was kind of counterculture, even though that's a culture, but like, you know, Oh, you like them now. I liked them before. Um, and all the annoying stuff that goes along with that. I, I could see me 
like if I didn't play Fortnite, that'd be why I'd be like, oh, you're playing Fortnite. I'm still playing the Arma three mod. <laughs> Get on board, even though right, I didn't. Those kids have to exist, right? They like, have to, right? I, have even to. I never played it when it was original, but I was like, I want to experience it, the artisanal version of it, the artisanal version of uh, BR. Um, <laughs> probably Royale right to table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably Fortnite. Um, or as someone who does, as a teen, and had more time, like getting into scenes, I, I could see me getting into fighting games in a really big way. Fighting games are huge right now. Um, bigger than ever i could see me having a really awesome custom fight stick and especially if i was in southern california like i am now getting into some of those local tournaments and traveling and doing that kind of stuff um mobas probably as well uh i could see me getting really into mobas for that same kind of reason as um fighting games and then also i i could see uh teenage a 2018 teenager um really getting sucked into odd indies um and and pursuing that path the same reason right the the uh, it's hip it's cool nobody knows about this well i think for the reason that you get to you see you know the creators and kind of falling in it's kind of like the way i did with film and whether it was you know i don't know pick your auteur filmmaker of the 90s right <laughs> and like oh i got to consume all of this i'm going to watch their early movies and understand this and go to all their lectures and i think like Celeste, Towerfall, um, Fez, like, you know, some of those games I think really could have spoke to me. You would have been a hipster. <laughs> I am, am, and would have been. Yeah. Oh, also, also. Yeah, you, I forgot, you bought a fanny pack like two weeks ago. So yeah. you're. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> also sports games. I, as a hipster, I still, and you know, I love sports and sports games are better now than they've ever been. I could see me being obsessed with MLB, the show, especially if I still was in high school and was playing baseball or, you know, football or whatever, FIFA, like those games, those games run deep. And also as JP kind of warned, I would be asking my parents for their credit card constantly. Oh, I'm man. sure. Yeah. <laughs> if you played FIFA, you would own a credit card. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that I would, I mean, as much as I love MOBAs now, I'm, I'm sure I probably would have gotten into it even more with the, the infinite time that a, that a young person has and like friend groups where you can like build a team and I don't have to just pug everything. Um, but also that was the time I was so introverted and I didn't have any friends and I was such a nerd when nerd actually meant nerd. Um, that's why I turned to things like role-playing games because there were these worlds and stories. And I think anybody that listens to the show knows that I'm still very much enamored with games that bring me into a world. Uh, and I think that I would still persist even if I was a, a teen now. I think if I still had that same sort of social awkwardness that I had then and I wanted to escape in my comic books and I wanted to escape in my fantasy worlds, I liked escaping into Ultima and I liked escaping into, you know, um, all the D&D, you know, Pools of Radiance and all the role-playing games I played back then. I would love to say that I would still be into into the, you know, worlds that are created now. I would just have, you know, infinitely more of them to to experience. So, yeah. Uh, but an interesting question. Oh, to be a teenager these days. Yeah. Uh, right. Times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's a quick question from Matt Dickerson, who says, uh, when did the game manual die? Do you miss it? What was the last great manual? Personally, I remember the Red Baron 2 manual for the PC as awesome when I was young. It had great drawings of the World War I planes in it. Uh, I guess all these are sort of like 
hey, remember old things? But, we're, you know, it's fun. These are fun questions. You guys uh, are old. Let's talk about old stuff. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. Old man who bought a $200 Genesis. You want to yeah. reminisce for a bit? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Uh, do you have a, a nostalgia, a fondness for the old game manual, JP? I'm trying to think the last one that I saw. I think game manuals these days just got sold in collector's editions as art books. I, I think that's right, kind that's of one of those. Point. Yeah, that's what those became. Yeah. Um, you just had to pay. You had to pay the uh, extra twenty dollars on your to your game to get a, yeah. a manual. Yeah, totally. yeah. Oh man! For some reason, like Red Alert for like mm. the Command and Conquer Red Alert stuff is coming to mind. I'm pretty sure I still have the like original. I'm World of Warcraft. I think the original one, like vanilla, shipped with some sort of manual. I think that's true. Yeah. Um, but it was mostly probably like, what? How do I pay Blizzard? I use a credit <laughs> card. Like what? Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, trying to think like console wise, what I what I remember. Well, console. I think console manuals died when games started coming in jewel cases. Totally. Right? Yeah. Because there's no real room. It was awkward to stick a manual in a jewel case. I mean, it's the same time that, you know, records had lost their liner notes because it just was nobody wanted to open a CD case and pull out liner notes. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that's what. And then and then the Internet, of course, is what really was the death knell, because why print a manual when you can have it online? Right. Yeah. PDFs kind of replaced all that stuff. Yeah. I I always remember the the Mega Man manuals fondly as well especially the notes section that constantly got scribbled on uh and and even like the little grids so you can remember the passwords to get to where you were in the game it's so cool that they like provided places for you to write in on your game manuals yeah you you didn't have to pay for it it just came yeah it was just there (laughs) i loved. i mean i i loved back in the day you know when i was a kid and i got a game 90% 90% of of the time in my life that I wasn't playing the game, I was just staring at the manual for the game. I was just like, if I had to go someplace with my parents, I brought the manual and just stared at the manual and fantasized about playing the game. And that's that's what I use manuals for. It's just like thinking about it and wishing I could be playing. Yeah, And manuals used to be amazing. They used to have, you know, like you're saying, art books. Like I used to have art and tons of information and tons of flavor text. And uh, But, it, you know, it's been many, many years since that happened. Uh, Christian, do you have a, it, did, did Punisher come with the little man? Hey, hey, dad, do I have a manual down here? <laughs> it definitely did. I, I definitely do not have it, which Punisher is a, re- a recent purchase. That was a, a grown man purchase, unfortunately. Um, you didn't spring for the mint edition copy with its manual intact. I mean, I'm doing, I did that just today as we sat here and talked, but, uh, my kids don't need to go to college. Um, I I don't remember if it's Lakers versus Celtics or Bulls versus Lakers. It was one of those EA NBA games on Genesis, and it I had been saving up for it, and it came out. I was on a camping trip with my family, and we went to like Walmart or a mall or something because it was hot, and we were in Louisiana or whatever. It was like a thing to do, and I I secretly knew it came out that day, or you know, because like from Babbage's or EB Games, like the whiteboard on, and it was like comes out this day. And they're like, well, and I was like, yeah, we should, we should probably go to the mall because it is, it is hot out and, you know, it would be nice to take a break. And then I went in there and I bought it. And my mom was like, it's going to be out when you get home. Like, you can't play it. We're, we're camping. And I was like, yeah, I know. But I sm- brought all this money with me. I'm buying. And I just, I poured over that manual. And that, it wasn't even that great. But I was like in my little camping bunk, like smelling it, just being like, 
Oh, UTEP two-step. You will be mine, Chris Hardaway. You will be mine. Uh, <laughs> that's a very vivid memory for me. We've got in the chat, uh, Sir Urza is bringing some knowledge. He says, yeah, Vanilla Wow had a thick 50 to 100 page manual with a big old orc on the front of the manual. Uh, I definitely remember reading the manual for Wow when I bought it. Um, and he also says the manuals for Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale games that were the AD&D rules. Yeah, I love those. And like the the old the, – there were games where – they used to like the old role playing games like that. They used to in the in the manual it would have um, what do they call that? Uh, like a creature compendium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It would yeah, show yeah. you like all of the enemies, but it wouldn't show you what they looked like in the game. It would show you an awesome artist drawing of what they look like. <laughs> right. But oftentimes the game didn't look anything like Just that. Just a two D sprite that was kind of m- mangled <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. it always set, seems so rad. You're like, oh, I'm gonna f- eventually fight a three headed dragon at some point. It's like, yeah, it's three pixels with a dot. You know. But how cool is it that because it gave us that hand drawn art that when you saw that thing in game, you knew what you were supposed to be seeing, right? Like you had that imagination that you brought over and now don't get me wrong witcher 3 great game got all these monsters you can go and look them up and that's how they look in the game but i think there was and it is just remember berries but something magical about seeing that hand-drawn art and then when you see that thing in zelda being like this is what i'm taking down right now it's this epic battle and you know no it wasn't i was running circles around a purple square but by golly it was epic Good times. Uh, thanks for the walk down memory lane, everybody. If you want to have your quick question answered on the show, remember you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or you can post it on our subreddit, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. All right. We're going to wrap the show up. If you want to send me a mint condition of Punisher on Genesis. What? You're going to replace me? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sitting right here every week. Oh. Now he's Mr. Bill somehow. I don't know. You can send that to Christian is old. At gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, we uh, we do have a parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But it me, JP. Thanks for being here, man. It's been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for the invite. I, I had a blast. It, it's always uh, an awesome experience going outside of the world of Twitch because I'm so like ingrained in that culture day to day that when I step outside and go to you know other parts of the gaming world, it's, it's always a breath of fresh air. So I, I really do appreciate the invite. Oh, awesome. Well, well, thanks for being here. Tell people where they can keep up with you and, and watch all of your many hours of streaming. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Twitch.tv slash itmejp or itme.jp. Uh, if you just want the quick link for that, that'll uh, shoot you over to my Twitch page where we're streaming every day starting at one o'clock Eastern. Uh, this next week is a little bit uh, rough schedule wise because uh, we got TwitchCon coming up next weekend. So I'll be there doing a bunch of panels and shows uh, on the big stages. So looking forward to that stuff. But um, yeah, we do a show called Drop Frames, which is our weekly video game podcast. That's Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we do a show called Role Play, which is many shows underneath that, uh, which airs on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, three different shows of that, which you can go check out, twitter.com slash roleplay for any of that with two L's, no E. Um, and then, yeah, I just stream games constantly as well. So it's, uh, it's a nice gig that works out where I can just play video games all day. So <laughs> if you awesome. want to check that out, feel free to stop by. It's cool, man. I'm a, I'm a fan. I dig your stuff. So I, I appreciate you being here. Um, Christian, what do you got going on this week? <sighs> Not buying Dodgers tickets, but maybe buying Dodgers tickets. Uh. <laughs> Dude, you got to do it. Last, last year you, you went and they won, right? Oh, you, you didn't care because both teams you were rooting for. So you didn't care. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You want to go to a Dodgers game? 
I don't want to pay, but if you're paying. <laughs> if I sell my Punisher copy, I can get <laughs> uh The best way to get in touch is Twitter at Spicer, or if you want to email me, christian.spicer at gmail.com. Put something in the subject line so it jumps out because we all, everybody gets too much email. Um, but I always, I just bought a 21, nine monitor. I can't go to the Dodgers game. Well, you're already there then. Uh, (laughs) yeah, but it's all around me. I just, (laughs) just stream it now. You're already there. Uh, and then Instagram Christian underscore Spicer and then on Twitch, but I, I, I've been bad. Uh, I kind of just do this show, but this show every week I put it out there, uh, is just twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Uh, I think that's it. I think we're good. Awesome. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about movies and TV shows, I do a show called the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. This week we're talking about Halloween. Uh, the new Halloween. Not Halloween or Halloween, but Halloween. The the Halloween that uh, – it's very confusing. But anyway. This is Halloween. Hello- that one? The one for that song? Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. JP, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, watch as much media as possible. I recommend Daredevil season three right now. Yeah, it's good stuff, huh? I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I'm four or five episodes in uh, as much as I can. I have watched uh, and I'm enjoying it. It seems pretty good. It's probably going to get canceled, but yeah, it sounds like it. It like is one of the yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, Kingpin's fantastic in that. He's finally got his white suit, which is he super does. Cool. Yeah. He does. Yes. Christian, do you have a parting gift? Yeah, I'll stay on the streaming superhero train. Uh, I've really been enjoying Titans on the DC Universe app. Really? Um, the trailer, I was the first to roll my eyes at with F Batman. Um, it, it, at time, I've watched the two episodes that are out. At times, it is dark for dark's sake, which is a little, you know, it can cause some eye rolly, but I also feel like it's not necessarily made for me per se. Like, this is the question about me as a high schooler. I think I would have loved it even more then than i do now but i like the take they have with robin i'm convinced that he's not killing people uh he's being more aggro with them than you've seen in the past but as dick grayson he's shows empathy and heart and it shows that he's wrestling with this um split from batman and i'm curious to know what exactly happened like why did they break up in this world if if robin now is acting more violent and beating people up harder than he has before you know what does that say about what batman's doing and how is this team going to come together um it's clearly not the biggest budget uh production where it seems like they went through and added you know obvious cg blood to punches and stuff like that but the actors are, are really committed to the roles i feel like everybody's performances are great and um it's an interesting take on these characters so if you have the dc universe app I think it's an easy recommend if you're on the fence and we're already considering it because Batman the animated series is there and that's one of the best shows ever. Um, don't write off Titans because of its bad trailer. Give it, give it a shot. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I tell you, I'm glad to so hear was you I. like it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's surprising to hear. I, I will check that out now. We got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, this was sent to DLC feedback at gmail.com. This comes from Matt. He says, I have a suggestion for a parting gift. I know you are big fans of The Midnight. We are. And I wanted... So is Chris uh, Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans tweeted about The Midnight. So I feel like Christian and I 
it's our little band that we love. And now they're like huge. And Chris Evans loves them. And, and now so. I guess, now I guess I no longer like them. Right. <laughs> I you liked can't. them before yeah. anybody liked them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, anyway, uh, I want to thank you for introducing me to them. Writes Matt. He says, uh, to return the favor, I would like to recommend a similar retro wave band called gunship. Um, to be fair, Matt was one of like four people that sent very similar emails. So if I'm not reading your email, I apologize, but, Lots of people are like, you like the midnight, listen to Gunship. Uh, Matt writes, their new album, Dark All Day, comes out uh, or came out October 5th. He was writing before it came out. Um, the title track is inspired by The Lost Boys and even features the sexy sax man from the movie. They have a song called Artemis and Parsival, inspired by Ready Player One. And their music videos are packed with movie references, dogfighting, demons, and 8-bit goodness. I hope you check them out and enjoy. Thank you for everything you do. Keep up the good work. Uh, thanks, Matt. I have checked them out and yeah, no brainer. I dig it. It's awesome. Uh, th- you guys should listen to gunship, uh, again, very cool. Very, very cool. Synth fun eighties references, uh, really good music. My parting gift, uh, is credit where credit is due. Not the first time you've heard it on this show. And that's because I took this parting gift from Christian. He recommended it. Credit where credit is due. I was skeptical, like I am with Titans, but now I have to uh, say kudos to you, Christian, for turning me on to American Vandal. Oh, yeah. I have almost finished the first season, and I was very skeptical. I felt like the first few minutes of the first episode, when I had watched it a long time ago when it first came out, I just turned it on the first few minutes, and I was like, this is dumb. I gave it a chance, and I, I think it is genius. I think it is straight up genius. Uh, American Vandal is a, a Netflix original series that is a parody of shows like Making a Murderer or podcasts like Serial, uh, those true crime, self-serious true crime shows. This is that, but with a ridiculous premise and the commitment to the style of those shows is extraordinary, nailing that style but also in doing so, creating a legitimate, interesting mystery around something absurd. It's not an easy task and they pull it off and the, the performances are shockingly good. Uh, it's not easy to, to do that faux cinema verite and not seem like you're being over the top or obvious, obviously fake. It's great. So I highly recommend it. And I hear season two is even better. So I'm excited to keep going with it. I'm American so excited Vandal. for you to start season two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's on Netflix. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to JP and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks that hung out with us live in our chat rooms. We appreciate you guys being here, making the show better in real time. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thanks to all of you who download the show. We appreciate it. We will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>